Welcome back to the 29 of 29 podcast. I'm your host, Travis McKenzie, and it's a joy to bring you the fourth and final installment of season one, The Origin Story. In the first three episodes, we covered the lead up to the first 29 of 29 experience at Stratton Mountain, Vermont. The goal of the podcast and this first season is to give you a behind the scenes look at how Jesse Itzler and Mark Hodelik built the 29 of 29 brand and the 29 of 29 experience. Today, we discuss and emphasize the wins and the learnings from the first event and how that has translated into future events. Now let's join Mark as he talks about what it takes to show up with seemingly unlimited energy on event weekend. I've asked both of you about the energetic responsibility that you bring to the event weekend. Um, And both of you had a very similar answer in that it just happens because you're so excited to be there you're so happy um, and you have that responsibility. But I want you to talk about the other person for a moment. So Mark, I want you to start and I want you to talk about what you see in Jesse on that weekend uh, and how much of an impact does his energy have on the overall experience? Yeah, look, I, t- for me to have a partner that's willing to, to give in so many capacities on the event weekend. So first off, You know, I don't know if you caught at the beginning of this podcast, but Jesse said, you know, having finished the event numerous times, I've never even done the own damn event, right? So, you know, there's there's a little brother to brother slight right there. Um, But, you know, of the five events that we've hosted today, Jesse's done four of them. And the only one he didn't do was right before he was doing this insane last man standing race that I I paced him for a while in. And uh, he's not only the MC and the keynote speaker, but he's also a participant throughout the weekend. So to have him kind of give to climb 29,000 and 29 feet, you know, he's finished every single time. There's no other option for him when he starts climbing. Uh, he's got to carry on conversations with people that, that want a minute of his time. He's got to be energetic and an MC, and, uh, and he's also got to be a cheerleader. So he has to wear many hats throughout the weekend. And, I kind of see a little bit behind the scenes of, of how draining that is. You know, he's never able to be off and Jesse's authentic to a T and it is one of his favorite weekends of the year, but it's also got to be one of the most tiring and, and just stress on the body, not overall stress level. Cause we have an amazing team that he knows he can trust implicitly to make sure everything's going to run smoothly and, and no issue should really ever hopefully bubble up to him. But at the same time, he's got to be on almost the whole weekend. And, uh, and so it's great for me to be able to have someone that I know others want to see on the mountain and, and can carry a closing ceremony and carry a welcome. And I'm happy to perform some of those things as well, but, but Jesse's naturally gifted at that and a natural entertainer. And it's nice to know that you have such an asset and a partner like that throughout the course of the weekend. Jesse, what about you? What's your kind of experience or recollection of Mark and, and his presence on event weekend? Oh, super calm, you know, like super calm, uh, organized, has it all together. You know, he, he, he stays up on top of the mountain for the whole throughout the night. And so he's, he's awake pretty much the entire 36 hours plus. Plus, he's there early setting up and, and putting everything, putting all the toys away. So but very calm. You know, these are challenging because um, weather comes into play. People could get sick or have an issue or something could break or the gondola might have to slow down. There's all kinds of things that come into play in these events that you can't even call for. I mean, one day we had 
one of the events, the wind was so bad, the tents were blowing over. We had to, you know, make some big decisions. So, but he's always remained incredibly calm. You know, I have a freak out button. I have a freak out button that if it, if it gets, if you, if you ignite it, you know, I start, I start to spiral and he's able to handle those. Um, I'll, you know, I know he's got it covered. So very good in those situations, um, highs and lows and super organized. Um, and I would add to that as well. If you want to, if you want to add, he's also, it seems like he's wherever he needs to be. Uh, you know, if he needs to be with, with, uh, Kyle getting him up the mountain in Utah to finish his last climb or, you know, pegging down tents or, or what have you. So maybe add some, some, some color there as well. Well, when you have division one speed, you, you know, and you're a mountain goat, you can, you can go to an aid station and you don't need a car. You don't have to wait for the car to show up. Mark can do four strides and he's at, he's at any aid station in 30 seconds. He, yeah, he's out, he's everywhere. I mean, he's just, he's not, he's congratulating every finisher. He's at the starting line. He's at all the aid stations. He's riding the gondola. He's decorating the gondola. He wears a lot of different hats. So um, that's because he loves it and he cares about it. So um, again, it's what you want in a partner and it's what you want in a partnership. And um, he does an outstanding, a 12 out of 10 job on it. Well, I think too, you know, Jesse and I are able to be so present for the participants because we have such an amazing team that, that we've assembled behind the scenes that, uh, that wants people to have a seamless and perfect experience. Half of my ability to be so calm is how much I trust our team to be able to help me make the right decisions and execute off those decisions. So, you know, we're, we're able to be there congratulating, uh, hiking, high-fiving, um, be able to be present and hopefully give a lot of confidence and enjoy and, 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 and share a lot of expertise with our participants. But there's a whole team uh, that's working behind the scenes that kind of allow us to do what we're best at throughout the weekend as well. And that team has just gotten stronger and stronger every year. So um, we're, we're certainly very grateful for, for the work that goes on there and for a lot of people that don't necessarily uh, get as much credit from, from the public's eye or the participant's eyes as they should. What do you think does click in people? What do you think that moment of understanding? Is it the first climb? Maybe even just think about your personal experience as well. You know, when do you kind of start to get into that momentum and the groove and the rhythm and understanding that this is possible and there's probably people have come to you and said i'm not sure i can continue jesse what's your advice and you give them that advice of like relentless forward motion tell me about that well i think people come in with an advantage one they have an accountability partner they've shared that they're doing this event with the world so there's a little bit of pressure pressure is good pressure is a privilege they've now put some pressure on their shoulders because they've told their, their universe that they're gonna go attempt this. That's their accountability. Two, there's the herd mentality. Everyone's together, they're all going, we're part of this group. That's gonna give you an extra boost. And three, you have blinders on. When you come in, your whole world shrinks to a mountain. You're not looking at anything else. You're not thinking about taxes or work or you know, getting a promotion. You're thinking about, this is my job for the next 36 hours and kids aren't running into the room pulling you in a million directions there's no birthday parties this is it when you factor those three things in you get laser locked into your lane okay that's a b you are seeing people you're like oh my god this guy's 25 pounds overweight and he's got a loop he's a loop ahead of me if he can't do if he could do it 
This guy's 70 years old. This lady has one leg. This guy, she's got four kids at home and a full-time job. She's out here doing. You hear these things of inspiration and you want to be a part of it. So all of these things come into play. Now, if you could bottle that and take that home with you from the mountain, then you made a great investment, you know, for a couple of thousand dollars in your future. Maybe the best investment you ever made. And that's what we're trying to teach people to do. This isn't a one and done. We're trying to give people tools they can take home from the mountain to apply to all the buckets of their life. And we put things in place after the event to make sure they get that. Newsletters, lectures, Facebook Lives, you know, um, other events, guest speakers, training courses, and we're gonna continue to do more. We're a small young company, but we're learning, we're taking feedback, but that's our goal, to put on a great event and let you leave the mountain with the tools that you can apply going forward. You should leave saying, you know what? I'm a badass, man. I'm a badass and I'm gonna take what I just did out there and I'm gonna go get a sale today. And I'm gonna go build my, I'm gonna double my business plan this year because I, I have more in me than I thought that I had. That, that is a successful company, brand, and event. And I, I hear it all the time in the conversations I have, people talk about practical ways they uh, take their experience on the mountain and put it back into business, everyday life, sitting in traffic, dealing with a tough conversation with a loved one, all of these instances where they draw themselves back, they think back to what they've been able to achieve on the mountain uh, and they can move forward with success because of what they learned about themselves in that environment. Yep. Um, tell me about uh, the end of that event, the first event, 2017, Vermont. You go back to Atlanta, you go back home, you're probably thinking on the plane, you know, all the things that went right, all the things that went wrong. wrong. What was that feeling when you, you put your head down on your bed that first night home? Like, tell me what that experience was like, just kind of thinking back and, and, and replaying that experience in your head. First thought was I wanted my kids. I wanted them to see what we'd created because I knew it was special. And, uh, you know, my kids had been at finish lines of other events that I'd done and handed out medals when they were like two and four. And I wanted the event to get to a place selfishly where I felt comfortable enough that my kids wouldn't be a distraction, but they could be a motivating force and they could feed off of that positive energy in that community that had been created. So, you know, my first kind of thought was, you know, how do I protect and grow this? Because this is, this, more people need to see this, but this is, needs to be right size. So the, what's special about this event doesn't get lost by scale or um, from expansion. So, you know, it immediately went towards my mind works in a way of like, yes, I was certainly proud and I wanted my kids to see that. I wanted them to experience this, but I immediately went to all the things that, that we missed, right? Cause I was like, as amazing as this was, I'm not that much of a perfectionist, but with an event experience like this, I just felt like we were onto something, but there were so many things we could improve. And, and that patience of knowing the next event wouldn't be for 10 months from now is hard because normally in the event world, there's a lot of event companies doing an event every weekend, every other weekend, once a month. And to know that the type of personalization and planning and curation that goes into something like this, we were gonna have to be patient 
also, I think, benefited us by getting to have thoughtful responses to all those things. So, you know, yeah, putting my head down on the pillow that first night, there was, there was a sense of just relief, right? That a lot of the things you worry about that you can't control, and there's no sense worrying about things you can't control, but there's, whether there were weather issues or, you know, it was, it was just something to be grateful that we, we didn't have any major issues come up. So there was a sense of relief. And then there was just a sense of responsibility of, of and, and real opportunity in front of us to build something here that could, could really create great community and, and build a brand around. And then it was right into action. And, and that seeking feedback. So it was going to people that I just met that weekend and saying, tell me everything we messed up and tell me things you would never want to change. And I think you have to be willing to accept that feedback to get that best product. And it became very clear things that we thought we missed were told to us and things that we thought we did well were reinforced. And then we had some surprises along that way as well. So very quickly after the event was just gathering all the data we possibly could to make sure that wasn't lost and, and then trying to figure out how we could take what we'd learned and immediately put it into action. What were the, what were the biggest pieces of feedback around what people would want you to keep forever that they didn't want to change? Yeah, it, first of all, how receptive people were to spending so much time with strangers, whether it was in eating meals or sharing a tent with them, people wanted more time. So we went from a two night event to a three night event was one of the first immediate things was, I love what took place there and I just wish it would have been a little bit longer. So that was one of the first ones where you, you never know um, when you're selling a product like this, how much people want to give you of their time. And it was clear with this, people wanted to give more time. And another one was a lot of people were unprepared and we had to put together a training program. We hired a full-time coach to, to lead people in their journey that, that this for people wasn't just a weekend. It was a goal for six months or a year. And we needed to be part of that process to get them ready and let them feel like they were not only mentally but physically ready to take on the challenge and be able to take a lot of the data that we had and translate it in a way that was meaningful to them into training plans. So those were, those were two really big ones. And then a lot of the other was, was community. You know, it was interesting to see um, participants on their own dime, a gentleman here who owned a restaurant, hosted all the Atlanta participants to come and have a party and celebrate. And it was how can we continue to foster community and, and, and put a focus on that community because that was certainly something that came out of the event that really shown was a brighter light than almost anything else was the bond that people shared and wanting to make sure that we were facilitating that in, in, in a thoughtful manner throughout the year as well. You see things as an event organizer or someone who puts on events that the participant doesn't necessarily see. So I'm sure there was a laundry list of things that you're like, we need to change that, but no one really realized that it actually happened. But was there anything that stood out to you that you thought may have been a success, but actually when you gathered that feedback from people, it was something that they thought was a miss? I mean, certainly having people carry flags from the base to the summit on the last lap was one where we thought it would be amazing for photos and everything else. And people were like, I'm tired. I want my hiking. I have hiking poles. Like, you know, what, what, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, so, so that was certainly one. Um, we, we really thought that this was a weekend that was equal parts doing something new and adventurous, endurance, somewhat food-oriented, farm-to-table, focus on that, and, 
and music. Mm-hmm. And it, it very clearly turned out that, you know, as we talked about earlier, we had a great band there and we, we basically told the band stop playing. Like there's people who are sleeping right now who decided to take a two hour nap from 10 to midnight and go out and hike again. And the music's too loud. And it was just very interesting. I think there were other people who'd finished the event by that time on Saturday who wanted to have a party. And so it was those types of things where we realized that the event was so much more about the actual time on the mountain and that we needed to cater everything around giving people the most opportunity to do that and not disregarding entertainment, not disregarding food and beverage and things like that. But let's create a window where the sole focus is on you climbing and then let's give you bookend the weekend with the ability to get to know others, get to spend time, get to eat meals as participants only, listen to experts in a little bit more retreat style day one. And then end the challenge, not on Sunday, but end it on a Saturday where it allowed you Saturday night to then celebrate with all those people you just shared this experience with. So I think what we thought was the perfect schedule was way off. And we were able to really craft the experience much more around community, giving people the tools and the schedule that would allow them to experience the challenge in the best way and then celebrating and kind of toasting the bonds that had been created uh, throughout the weekend on the mountain. So that was certainly the, the first major thing that we changed and that I feel we've nailed since then. What was that first uh, post-mortem call with Jesse like? You know, for me, not having had a business partner and having been on my own as an entrepreneur for a while, uh, it was very encouraging to have someone be that enthusiastic and that just excited. And you know, Jesse went through it as a participant. Yes, he gave an amazing kickoff speech he you know was the mc and uh and and hosted the awards that night so you know he had to do all that and do the event but he kind of saw it through the eyes of a participant and that for me was unbelievably gratifying to not only hear from him but his wife sarah who's you know one of the most famous entrepreneurs in the world and an unbelievable success to have her reach out and and tell me you know just how thrilling of an experience it was for her and, and how she felt like we really had something here. You know, those were huge voices of confidence for me to then be able to just go and, and kind of trust my gut instinct and, and look for Jesse. I'd always say, you know, if I, had a, if I have an idea that's a B, Jesse will make it an A+. And so I just really learned that our partnership was going to work in a very good way. He kind of trusted me to get almost something all the way to the finish line. And then when he would get involved, it just makes it 10 times better. And that th- this was a case where so many of the ideas that we came up with as a team and the way that we organized and scheduled things, um, he didn't have to be in the weeds, but then he was able to take his genius and, and make a good idea. Great. And, and so we've been able to really leverage that going forward. So, so yeah, our, our postmortem call was more like, when can we do this again? <laughs> and it's so great. And it was me like peeling it back a little bit and be like, well, here's some feedback that I got and some stuff that I want to improve. And, you know, he focused on so many of the positives and reinforced things that went well. And it's also helpful because I'm in my head about the ways we can perfect things. And he's reminding me about things like don't change. These things worked really well. And let's make sure that we continue to push on these things. Let's make sure we get these stories told. Let's make sure we document things. And so he's been a real driving force too, and make sure, you know, we're, we're creating and capturing a lot of this and sharing it along the way as well. What are some of the things that you remember trying at, you know, be it the first event, be it the second event, 
iterations along the way that, that you thought were a great idea at the time uh, that you're happy to leave in the past that didn't necessarily work out? Well, let me say that we're always looking for missteps and ways that we can improve the event. We're always looking for uh, ways to make the onboarding experience leading up to the event better and things that we can do after the event better. So the process doesn't end. But, um, you know, I think one of the greatest things that we did was the branding board. I love that idea. It was not my idea. I love the idea of that I, as a participant. I know what it feels like to be like, man, I earned this and how, how badly I want to just brand that board. Um, but we've also, you know, we've evolved. We've evolved into bringing speakers in. We've evolved in our food. We've evolved in the recovery room, having Norma Tech boots and massage therapists. And um, that's become a highlight for everybody, you know, to go in there and recover during and after the race. Um, so it, it's all evolving in front of us. Um, but again, a lot of the things, the missteps are, are really things that are outside of our control. Mm -hmm. The first event we had in Vermont, we were taking people down in vans. People were getting car sick and throwing up out of the window because it was so bumpy coming down the hill. So we had vans shuttling people down. Then we were scared people might get hypothermia because they had to wait for the van. Now we've gotten better. Yeah. That won't happen again. But you know, these are all things that you just don't know until, until it happens. Part of putting on a live event. I think we have it. I think we have all we need here for this first series. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you. No, thank you, dude. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Okay. All the best, mate. Okay, man. Be good. See you, buddy. Bye. There you have it. Season one of the 29 and 29 podcast. A look back into the origin story of a brand new company, a brand new event, and a brand new experience. As you heard, every detail is considered and the experience was created to challenge people so profoundly that they will leave 29029 changed for the better. After eight events, there are stories for days about how this experience translates to all buckets of people's lives. And that's what's next in season two of the 2929 podcast, Tales from the Mountain, insightful and meaningful conversations with participants who've made an impact on our community and have become part of the fabric of the world's most extraordinary endurance event. Stay tuned for more to come.